welcome to Health Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast. There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends, but who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and today we're taking your questions regarding congenital heart problems. So please send us any questions you may have in the comment section below. And today our featured expert is Dr. Tess Sorrell, Chair of the Pediatric Cardiology here at Cleveland Clinic Children's, and we're very happy to have you. Thank you so much for coming. And as always, keep in mind this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So thank you so much for being here. And um, if you want to take just a few minutes to uh, introduce yourself to our viewers. Sure. Um, as you said, my name's Tess Sorrell. I'm a pediatric cardiologist here at Cleveland Clinic. And um, I, I happen to specialize in heart rhythm disorders, so electrophysiology. Right. Um, but I see kids um, from birth. And I also see adults who were born with congenital heart disease. So. Okay. We really take care of um, kids from pre before birth all the way throughout their life um, who are born with heart problems. Excellent. Now, congenital heart disease, also known as CHD, is the most common birth defect in the United States and occurs in one in every 110 births. Now, nearly 5,000 of those affected are also considered complex defects, also uh, called CCHD. But before we get into the disease and explaining everything, I would like to know kind of like what's a normal blood flow of the heart look like? Can you just kind of explain that? Uh, sure. So the heart has four chambers. Mm -hmm. So half the heart, which is the, called the right side of the heart, um, takes back the blue blood from your body. Mm -hmm. So the blue blood goes from your legs and your arms and your head back to the right atrium, which is the upper right chamber. Mm -hmm. It passes through a valve into the lower right chamber, which pumps, which is a pumping chamber that pumps your blood to your lungs. Mm -hmm. um, when the blood goes to the lungs, it gets oxygen, so it turns from blue to red. Okay. comes back to the upper left chamber, which collects the red blood from the lungs goes down through a valve to the left ventricle, which is the pumping chamber of your body. That's sort of the, the workhorse of the heart, sure. the left ventricle. And then the left ventricle pumps the blood out a valve to your body, mm -hmm. brings blood and oxygen to your brain, to your other organs, to your muscles. Um, and your body uses the oxygen, the blood turns blue, mm. and then it comes back to the right heart. So it's four chambers that um, work together to, uh, with the lungs, to sure. really bring oxygen to your body. Sure, very good, very good explanation. Thank you for that. So now knowing what a normal healthy heart looks like, what is a congenital heart disease? What, what are those? So there's a huge range. Um, so the heart is complex mm -hmm. um, with the four chambers and all the blood vessels that have to come back to the heart. So you can imagine that it's easy for something to go wrong. Sure. So um, defects range from very minor, so it could be that one blood vessel didn't make it to the right spot, um, to serious where you're actually missing a full half your heart. Wow. Um, so there's a, it can be um, a combination of different defects. So it, it involves either 
uh, blood vessels that are veins or arteries. It involves, <coughs> excuse me, the chambers themselves. So um, the chambers that receive blood, the holding chambers on the top, mm -hmm. or the lower chambers that pump. Any of the valves in between them can be affected, mm -hmm. um, or the, the walls between the chambers can have holes in them, mm -hmm. and that can also be a defect. So um, it's probably the most common um, congenital problem because the heart is so complex. Yeah, a lot can go wrong. Yeah, there are a lot of things that have to go right to make a, a perfect heart. Sure. It's actually kind of amazing that it only happens in about 1 in 10. You know? Yeah, yeah, so, that's, um, that's true. Yeah. That's very interesting. Well, I read there's 18 different types, correct, of CHD? Um, at least. At least. There may um, be more. <laughs> yeah. We, we try to, since there's so many different things that could happen, we do try to put things in categories. Okay. So those are like categories of um, different types of defects you can have. Sure. And then within those 18, there's kind of subtle differences with different types of heart disease. That makes sense. Now, is, are there like most common types that maybe we can talk about a little bit? Sure, yeah. Luckily, there's some more, about half the defects are relatively minor. So, may not need surgery or a child can do well all the way to adulthood without having problems. Mm -hmm. um, so, those might be, uh, for example, a hole in the heart, in mm -hmm. the lower chambers. Um, the, the, the wall between the lower chambers has to grow together and it's happening throughout fetal life. Mm. So sometimes it just doesn't quite grow all the way together before birth. So you might have a small hole when you're born, but that will often close on its own, for example. Okay. So that would be a minor type of heart disease that you know, we just follow along and most of the time they're, it cures themselves. And then more serious things need surgery early on. Sure, sure. Yeah. Now all these develop while the woman's pregnant, this is happening? Yes. Okay, okay. So this, this is all, all pre-birth? Yes. Okay, very good. Now, I want to talk about the tetralogy of fallow. Um, since the awareness of this um, disease got a big bump when Jimmy Kimmel shared the story um, on air in front of everybody about yeah. his son and the open heart surgery. So if you can talk about that, because I've heard that it's the most common complex defect, correct? And yeah. it has like four defects? Yes, so okay. um, <clears throat> what happens in tetralogy of flow is the wall between the lower two chambers, so the two pumping chambers on the right and the left, mm -hmm. um, again, we talked about having to grow from the bottom and the top together. Well, what happens is the upper wall misses. Wow. So it's actually, mm -hmm. um, it moves towards the right side of the heart. So you end up with different defects, what mm -hmm. we call defects. So the four things would be a hole between mm -hmm. the lower chambers where there's a gap, um, an overriding aorta, so the blood vessel to the body is moved rightward, mm -hmm. so it's, it, it's above the hole. Then you get narrowing of the blood vessel to the lungs, the pulmonary mm -hmm. artery. Um, and uh, so that's uh, the combination of defects that you get. Sure. And it can be lower below the valve. The valve itself tends to be small to the lungs. So that's tetralogy of flow. Mm -hmm. um, Jimmy's, there's a range of how the blood vessels to the lungs look. So sometimes they're tiny, but they're connected to the heart. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're actually, that valve is so small that it becomes clo completely closed, and we call that atresia. And then mm -hmm. the blood vessels are not actually connected to the heart anymore, the ones that go to the lungs. Wow. And that's called pulmonary atresia with tetralogy of flow. That's the most serious form. So that's this serious. range is sort of mild problem to serious, depending on how far that that wall misses. Wow. So if it misses only a little, it's 
it's not as serious, but if it misses by a lot, it's very, and very serious. And Jim, Jimmy Kimmel's son had the most serious one. Oh, he did. Yeah. Wow. So he had. Um, so his son needed surgery early on right. because otherwise he wouldn't survive. He wouldn't have any red blood um, wow. to go to his body. Now, this is n nothing that could be preventable, or is this? That's a great a question. Um, we still. Uh, there are some forms of heart defects that are related to toxins like uh, alcohol. Mm. So there's fetal alcohol syndrome. Some babies have this problem with heart defects. Um, some medications can actually affect, mm. they're called teratogenic, meaning they can f affect the development of the heart. Um, but most cases, it's not preventable. I see. Um, some, we're trying to figure out the genetics of the heart disease. In sure. some cases, it's inherited. Um, but in most cases, it's actually not directly inherited from your family either. So we're, mm. it's a big area of research. We're trying to figure out exactly what causes these defects because then we can try to help correct them in utero before sure. the baby's born or prevent them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Um, now, can you have this disease for the rest of your life if it's not harmful? I know we talked a little yeah. bit uh, before the live about yeah. the Olympian winner, and he's an adult. So yeah, so that's another range of Tetralogy of Flow. So Sean White also mm -hmm. has Tetralogy of Flow. Um, look at him. I mean, he's Amazing. how many gold medals does he have? Right. And have you seen? Did you see him? Uh, I, I watched some of it. Yeah. Was, his snowboarding was amazing. Yeah, definitely. But he's actually had three or four heart surgeries. Wow. So he had one as a young child. Mm -hmm. um, he had Tetralogy of Flow as well, okay. so same as Jimmy Kimmel's yeah. son, but his was not quite as severe. So he had a surgery when he was young to correct the problem, did well, obviously trained in snowboarding. Mm -hmm. um, the pulmonary valve needed to be replaced again when he was older, mm -hmm. and once or twice. And so that's another, I, look at him, I mean, so kids can actually do quite well, um, but it is something that has to be they need checkups throughout their life because sure. sometimes you need a little tune-up. I see. So, so it's not it, something that goes away. You always have to kind of check on it in your yeah, adult years. There are some. It depends on how severe the original problem was. Okay. So some are one and done, and you're pretty much okay. Sure. Some cure themselves. Other things, if it's more complex congenital heart disease where you needed a surgery, usually you have to be checked. Okay. And um, we're actually trying to learn this, you know, before, like when my, at my age, a lot of babies with these type of heart defects would not have survived. Wow. So we've gotten so much better at heart surgery Definitely. over the years, and we're really learning about the outcomes in adulthood mm -hmm. and how to make our surgeries better when a baby's born so they're, they're great when they're 60. Sure, sure. Right? So sure. we're actually, that's another area of research. We're trying to figure out the best approach and that's best great. operation. Yeah. Now, is treatment always surgery? Is there any That's other kind of That's a great question. <laughs> um, the vast majority are still surgical. We mm -hmm. can do more and more with a catheter now. So okay. avoiding opening the chest, mm -hmm. so avoiding um, incisions and stitches. So more and more we can do through your veins or arteries. Mm -hmm. We can go in with a catheter and tweak a valve or close a hole with wow. a device. So, or a balloon, a valve. Yeah. So not 100% is surgical, but the vast majority is surgical. Okay, that's yeah. great. And then, um, actually, my youngest daughter, personally, uh, was born with a heart murmur. So, of course, it was terrifying to hear, you yeah. know, your daughter is born with something that you can't control. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about what heart murmurs are? I mean, I, I, 
thank God on my end, it was it was nothing harmful. So lucky that it was probably the low severity. Yet. Yes, yeah. But they still sometimes say that they can hear it. So I'm just wondering what, what is it is. It yeah. yeah, that's a great question, and this is something that moms and parents ask all the time. Sure. So heart, all a heart murmur is is you're hearing the blood flow through the heart. So if you listen um, carefully enough, you can hear the blood flow through the heart in everyone. Right. Okay. Or if you have a special stethoscope that makes it louder. Sure. I, everybody here has a heart murmur. If you didn't, you wouldn't have your heart pumping, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's not a good thing. Yeah. So, um, but the question is, is it a normal murmur or abnormal? So normally yeah. it flows pretty smoothly. It's kind of like a hose that's flowing and when it's when it's wide open and flowing you can't really hear much you just okay. hear a little um we call it vibratory murmurs or like a like a water flowing through a brook that's sure. without rocks in it sure smooth sounding okay. so when if there if there's blockage to the blood flow or, or if it's under high pressure mm -hmm. it becomes turbulent so like you say you put your finger over the end of the hose and you can hear that spray yeah that's an abnormal heart murmur. Okay. So we hear that when we listen with our stethoscope for the tone, how, how the pitch, is it low pitch, high pitch? Is it at the wrong timing of the heart? So we're supposed to hear blood flow when the heart squeezes and pumps the blood, but sure. when it relaxes, you're not supposed to hear a heart murmur. I see. So okay. if we hear it at the wrong time or the pitch of the murmur is wrong, mm -hmm. then it's abnormal. So it's, it's actually a skill to um, diagnose um, abnormal heart murmurs. And, Cardiologists like me spend a lot of time practicing no, listening sure. <laughs> and, and getting taught. And um, sometimes you also hear abnormal heart sounds, like when the valves close or open. Okay. They're really subtle little clicks. Yes. Um, yes. So we, we, we spend a lot of time doing So that. a stethoscope is the only way you can find out about a heart murmur. Yeah. If they're really loud, you can feel them. Oh, wow. You so, can feel them. Yeah. Because um, it, um, the, it's so loud that it transmits to your, you know, the surface. Wow. So that would be the loudest. Yeah, we grade them on how loud they are. So one is really soft where you can kind of barely hear it. Yeah. Um, uh, six is the loudest for systolic, and that you can hear without your stethoscope. Wow. And the louder, the, the more complex. Yeah, the louder is usually how severe the blockage is to blood wow. flow. So okay. it's one of the, um, the, the things that cardiologists will do when they listen to heart murmurs. Sure, And sure. pediatricians. Sure, great. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, now, what, what I want to ask is how do you know what's best for your child? It, open heart surgery or any kind of heart surgery is, is terrifying. Um, what do, you, do you have anything to say to parents that just are looking at treatments, yeah. uh, surgery, what to expect? It's a great question. Yeah. Um, so, one of the, so there are different uh, outcomes for results of surgery. Sure. So this is a very highly skilled field. Okay. Surgeons who can operate on the heart the size of the walnut wow. and fix the valves and fix the holes without, um, you know, and do it well, yeah. are not that common. Sure. So um, the results do vary by surgeon and by center. So you need the you know, all the diagnosis correct, you need good surgery, you need good care to have mm -hmm. the best outcomes. So actually there's a big push in the congenital heart field mm -hmm. for transparency. Yeah. So there's a huge push really driven by the parents yes. and the patients, um, along with the you know caregivers like me and yeah. others who are advocates, uh, to release data, sh you know, share 
be transparent, say what your outcomes are. Yes. So um, I, I would encourage parents to actually look at that data. There is more and more on the internet available. Um, we have large registries where we track outcomes over time mm -hmm. in congenital heart disease. Okay. Um, it's there and we're trying to push for even more transparency. Um, I think that this is part of the push towards regionalizing heart care. Sure. You know, you don't want to have to go too far right, for care, right. but you also want to, if you get a really good surgery when the baby's young, it pays off the rest of yes, their life. definitely. Whereas if you don't, you know, it means more surgeries and maybe less quality of life. Sure. So um, I would push parents to look on the internet, look at outcomes, reach out to parent groups, word of mouth. Um, it's not necessarily built into the medical system yet yeah, yeah. to triage that way. I see. But someday I'm hoping it will be. Definitely. So, so look at outcomes, be, your, be an advocate for your child, um, do some research. It's common but not that common, so your pediatrician or your doctor might not know Very all the details. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. so um, do a little homework and ask yeah, around. Definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'm sure every parent does that too when they find out about their child. Now, before I go into live questions, I wanted to talk about um, what we developed in 2016, a 3D printed model, which allowed oh, yeah. us to examine the probability of whether a procedure could improve oxygen saturations. Can you please talk about that and, and how that changed the approach of pediatric heart surgery? Yeah, that's actually really exciting. Um, we're always looking for uh, ways to help our patients even more and get better outcomes. Sure. And this actually was a game changer for mm -hmm. patients who had the most severe form of heart disease. Wow. So patients, for example, who had vein problems and artery problems and chamber problems and valve problems, heart all mixed up. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So we are always, we do imaging, so we get pictures of the heart um, with ultrasound or MRI or CT, and we, we're we're trying to put it together, what does the heart look like, how is it functioning, mm. um, and explaining that to the surgeon who actually has to come up with the surgery to help correct it. The nice thing about these models is that actually, you actually make it in 3D, and wow. you can see it better, and you can actually you know, open the heart and look inside and say, hmm, I can make this chamber go to that chamber wow. Wow. and fix this valve, or go in and look like, that's not gonna work and come up with a new operation. So we've actually had, um, in the last couple of years, we've had several kids that were deemed in, inoperable. Wow, until they, this came along. Yeah, wow. and it's exciting. So I, this it makes is me really happy. Yeah, so yeah. based on MRIs and CT scans, mm -hmm. you can and make echoes. a 3D model. Yep, you put them all together, and the, the team here is excellent at putting them together into these models. Mm -hmm. And then, really, we've created brand new surgeries for them. Wow. So they have their own, they're unique, their heart's unique, they have a unique surgery, but we had one little boy that went from being so blue that he couldn't, oh. um, he actually was in a wheelchair because he couldn't walk, because uh -huh. when, when your muscles don't get enough oxygen, it hurts, like I they get, get pain. Sure. So he went from being in a wheelchair all the time because it hurt to walk, yeah. um, to riding a scooter wow. down the street because he got the operation. So that's really exciting. So that's the 3D funny. heart models, are a new way of imaging the heart sure, that has sure. allowed us to um, and a hands-on experience. Yeah, and and the surgeons could actually practice and know where they're going to make their incisions, Incision. and so that yeah. makes the operating the operation go better. Wow! So it actually is um, 
it, and, the, and the novelty is really just putting together the images. Wow, that's that's yeah, amazing. It's really cool. It's like a time to be alive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, we're getting some live questions. Okay. I have um, Kristen. Um, if I have, I'm gonna uh, butcher this one. By cuspid. Are you the, Yep, bicuspidary valve and pulmonary valves. Should I have my children checked? My youngest has HRHS, and my oldest has uh, has an ad that closed on its own. Should I have my oldest checked? Uh, yes, you should. So, um, <laughs> particularly with bicuspid aortic valves and other bicuspid valves, there's actually a 50% chance of inheriting that. Wow. So, the recommendations are nationally to have all first-degree relatives checked for this. So that means your parents or your children um, should be screened with an mm. echocardiogram wow. at some point. Okay, great. That's a good question. Yeah, and then we have Jamie. Does a child always have a congenital heart disease at birth or can it come at any age? That's also a great question. So congenital by definition means it was present at birth, mm. but sometimes the symptoms uh, don't come on till later, and sometimes the exam can actually be normal until you're older. Really? So it is possible to have congenital heart disease diagnosed when you're older, even though it was present when you're younger. Um, so I hope that helps. It, it doesn't really come on when you're older, but it doesn't show any symptoms or signs till you're older. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. And then I have Wendy. Is it true that a child with um, CHD won't be able to exercise or have a normal life as they grow up? And can you please explain? That's a great question as well. Um, that is not true. So, okay. so most of my patients who are born with congenital heart disease go on and exercise, play sports. You would never know that they, they've had a surgery unless you open their shirt and you see a scar. Uh -huh. So Sean White, for example. Yeah. He, you know, there's a perfect example of a child who's had three heart surgeries since baby, and mm -hmm. no one could say he's not living a super normal life, right, yeah, in terms sure. of activity. So there are some, some forms of heart disease that are really serious. Um, like, for example, some kids are born with only two chambers of their heart mm -hmm. instead of four. Yeah. Um, and so the surgery for that, we can never fix the heart. We can never create a new chamber. Not yet. Not yet. We're working on that. That's another. Yeah, that's the research. research. Yeah. Maybe we can. We can. That get would into be that. great. Yeah. yeah. But um, but those kids can be a little bit limited in what they can do. Okay. But it's you know we try to um, allow them to do as much as safe and that they can do. So um, so that's a good question. Really, sure. kids can have great quality of life who are born with congenital heart disease. Great, great to know. Um, Omar is asking, they closed my hole four months ago. Can I do a normal sport activity? I don't know how old Omar is. Yeah, that's, that's another great question. So um, depends where the hole was mm -hmm. and, uh, and what your heart looks like after it was closed. So most of the time, um, for example, when we, we, so that's where the residual lesions come in. So if the hole was closed, the heart function's now normal, there's no residual leak. Sure. Um, usually your doctor will let you go back to sports activities um, and probably about now. So we, the first three months, the sternum, the breastbone's still healing. So we usually recommend kind of letting that completely heal before you go to contact sports, for example. Yeah, sure, um, sure. But usually around now, um, if, you if things look good in your heart, um, will be a time when you can start going back to activities. But that's something I would check with your doctor um, and get some personal advice. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. And Lana's asking, what should you do if your child has signs of AFib? 
Oh, that's a good question. So um, that's uh, so AFib is quite um, rare in little kids. Okay, it's it's very common as we get older. Mm -hmm. So it, in fact, people off some people consider AFib a normal aging process. So when, you know, it's extremely rare in newborns, it almost never happens, and I might say never, although in medicine, you know, never say never, <laughs> sure, but say never. almost never sure. happens in newborns, and then by the time you're 80 or 90, way more than half the people have it. Wow. So um, AFib in kids um, would be unlikely, but if you're talking about palpitations or an irregular heartbeat, the thing to do would be talk to your doctor. Um, we, there are lots of great uh, tests we can do now to check the heart rhythm and uh, record it and then diagnose AFib or, or maybe it's a normal heartbeat that's, um, that otherwise the child's feeling an abnormal, you know, feeling palpitations but the rhythm's normal. So that yeah. can be diagnosed by monitoring. Okay. So I would recommend if you think your child has it, talk to your doctor, go get them checked out and uh, we can tell whether or not they have AFib. Now, what does a daily routine look like for a child that just had heart surgery? Okay, that's a good question too. So it depends on the age. Yeah. But um, so usually you you come in, um, you have your surgery, mm -hmm. you spend a couple of days in the intensive care unit mm -hmm. because uh, during surgery you sometimes have to stop the heart. I see. So that's kind of a stress on your body. We put you on the breathing machine. Mm -hmm. um, so you come, you have to get your body used to um, coming off that support. Sure. That usually takes a couple of days. Um, then sometimes there's, you know, fluid that builds up that we have to wait for that to go away. So after your first couple of days in the intensive care, you usually go to a regular hospital where we just monitor you for these fluid around your heart and um, other things after surgery, and then you go home. Wow. And then. Um, Initially, you'll be on some medications. Usually, you need a little water pills for a little while to oh, get rid okay. of that extra fluid sure. that your body retains in surgery, and then um, slowly build up your activity, wean off those post-operative medications, and then go back to school at some point, um, and back to sports at some point. So, so does their meal plan change at all after surgery? That's a great question. Um, not so much for kids. Okay. So. Um, most of the time, we're just trying to get kids back to eating normally. Sure, sure. And that will take a little while. So first time, you know, when you first come out, you, you want clear liquids, and then right. move on to things you can drink. And then usually they're picky for a little while. They don't want to eat as much, but then they ramp back up. Sure, sure. Yeah. Especially after such a... We should all be eating heart-healthy diets. Of course. But yes. Yeah. Mediterranean, you suggest? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. There you go. That's what every heart uh, doctor's been saying. I lost eating this. Now, um, I have Dan is asking about the Fontan procedure. Am I saying that mm -hmm. right? And if you can just talk a little bit about what that is. Yep. So a Fontan palliation is uh, a treatment for the most severe form of heart disease. Mm. So that's when you're born with really only half a heart. Oh. So one chamber that can pump to the body only. So that that chamber has to um, do the work going to pumping blood to the lungs and the body at the same time. Wow. Double the so, work. Yeah, so what the Fontan is, you actually bring the blue blood from your head, mm -hmm. your upper body, and your lower body, and you actually bring it directly to the lungs without going through the heart. Oh. It bypasses the heart. So it's wow. actually a passive flow, mm -hmm. and it actually, um, and it goes through the lungs, and then on the left side, which is the pumping chamber of your body, 
the blood is actually pulled out of the lungs when the heart relaxes. Yeah. It actually actively relaxes, blood fills the heart, so it sucks it out sure. of the lungs and sure. then pumps it to the body. So it's doing both the work of bringing blood through the lungs and to the body. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Actually, this was a, a, another game changer. Um, this, when you were born with half of the heart, when I was training early on, we did, those babies unfortunately didn't survive. Didn't make it. No, and we, you know, that's so hard with the families, and we kept them comfortable and supported sure. the families, but they didn't make it past a few months. That's very sad. Yeah, so this, this is actually um, a real uh, step forward for these patients. That's, that's amazing. Now, we only have a few minutes, but do you want to talk about like research that's always being done for better outcomes? I mean, I'm guessing we're always always doing research. We are. Yeah. So things like, you know, research brought us the 3D model, right, yes. for example. So sure. that's allowed us to really um, improve care. Um, but there are other areas where we have to figure out a lot mm -hmm. in congenital heart. So not only better treatments like surgeries or, um, you know, other catheter interventions, but also prevention. So we're trying to figure out what exactly causes the heart disease. Sure. Some of it's genetic, but not all of it. So we're trying to figure out environmental factors. What can we do in utero? So when mom's pregnant to prevent these defects, we need research there. There are also some um, congenital heart problems that, as someone asked about, don't show up till you're older and can mm -hmm. actually present with sudden death. Wow. So you seem completely healthy and then um, you die suddenly. And that's an area that I'm interested in trying to figure out how to how do we detect that before the worst happens. Sure. So right now so, there's nothing you can do um, treatment-wise while the woman's pregnant? Um, not, well, for the severe forms of heart disease, we actually do some in utero Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but not early on, so sure. not really preventative. Okay. Um, not like uh, at the first trimester. Sure, So sure. later on, if we don't think a baby's actually going to make it to mm -hmm. the term, Sometimes we'll do in utero. So while mom's pregnant, we do surgery on the baby wow. through the abdomen. Yeah, wow. that's really, yeah, we're just, um, our fetal care program here is ramping up to do fetal surgeries. Wow. But uh, yeah, it's really, there's a, a lot of exciting, up, you know, um, things on the horizon sure. to help make sure that all babies with congenital heart yeah. disease make it or we can prevent it. Sure, and that's why research is very, very important. Yeah. Well, that's all the time that we have for today, okay, but great. is there anything that you want to tell our viewers um, before I let you go? Or did we touch on everything? I think that's just about <laughs> everything. I mean, yeah. um, it's a uh, message is it's most common birth defect. Sure. sure. Um, but it's treatable and these kids do well and can go on and live a great life and great quality of life. and. Um, so uh, through support and advocacy for, through you know, the, making sure we have insurance coverage yes. for these patients yes. is a big deal. Yes. And um, also supporting research and uh, would be terrific. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure yeah, having you. you here. And for more health tips and information, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Cleveland Clinic One Word. Thank you. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.